Hi. Before we get started with the episode, I want to point you over to duckfeed.tv slash store. Recently, the entire network recorded a bunch of bonus episodes and released them as part of a bundle uh, that we're selling for charity. It is the Diggity Duck Bundle. Of interest to people who like this show, uh, we gathered some regulars to talk about Stephen King's short story, 1408. And you can get that for a low, low price. It's pay what you want above $10. Um, so if you want to uh, give more, you can. Um, and we are super happy with the episode, the way that it turned out, and we want you to hear it. So again, that is duckfeed.tv slash store. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books. I am your host, Cole Ross, and today I am joined by Chase Greenlee. Hey there. Evan Jones Thorne. Howdy. And by Patty Smith. Good morning. Yeah, and we are here uh, to talk about the uh, the first portion of the second part of of the second book let's just subdivide this as much as we can um we're talking about the lady of shadows uh we have just been introduced to eddie he is now in roland's world we've seen this you know horrible gunfight this awful carnage this uh trial by fire for for eddie dean as he you know shoots up some mobsters naked um and with uh, withdrawing from heroin and now he's trapped here and now we're going to meet our second one um, so this is something that we've kind of been dreading for a little bit, um, this particular section of the book, because, uh, there are some uncomfortable racial things in it, specifically with the second character who we are, who we are introduced to. So, uh, we will try and do our best to, uh, kind of address this character in as sensitive, as sensitive as a way as possible while still, you know, talking about the text itself, um, with all assurances that after this book, uh, the character that she is or the character she becomes, um, is actually pretty damn cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a bunch of white people talking about uh, really, really, really difficult caricature of a black woman written by an older white man. Yeah. So this will be this will be super fun and not at all awkward. Right. <laughs> so um, what made you guys decide to take the plunge on this section of the book? Because Patty, you uh, you volunteered to kind of pick up some uh, pick up pick up some slack because this was actually kind of an empty episode. Yeah, um, I well, uh, yeah, I think I think you've covered it at the start. You know, as a <laughs> as a white male, uh, able bodied, red headed man with no psychological conditions, you know, I, mm -hmm. I do quite relate to uh, a black female schizophrenic paraplegic. Right. So I mean, that's that's quite a straight line for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I I just kind of enjoy talking about the awkward stuff sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking forward to discussing it. Just lean into it. Chase, how about mm. you? <laughs> um, honestly, when I was looking at the episodes that were open, I, I did notice that these were pretty bereft of people. I, I think at the time that I was signing up, Patty was the only one that had jumped on. And I was like, Oh, this, you know, I, I think you had mentioned in previous episodes and through the Slack as well, 
uh, that these were the more challenging chapters. And I was like, okay, let's let's see how it is, and let's see let's see how how rough this can actually get. <laughs> and then I'm reading through, and I was like, oh, uh oh, uh oh, <laughs> oh oh my, okay, well, all right, here, uh, okay, well, I guess we're doing this. Yeah, we're uh, you know we're, but, we're we're in for a penny and a pound. You know, you know uh, choppy waters need navigating. Yeah, and, and Devin, how about you? I just really like talking about the Dark Tower. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> also, uh, yeah, I, I also noticed when I, I signed up um, that Patty was the only one who had who had yeah. committed. And uh, I'm definitely a fan of his work as a podcaster and on <laughs> other episodes of this show. And so I uh, I thought that would be really fun. Yeah. Oh, checks in the post. Thank you. <laughs> 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 So, um, we're all here. We're all enthusiastic about this. We're all going to try and do our best, but it's not a death march, you know, uh, for as much mm-hmm. as their walk up the beach as a death march. There's there's some really cool stuff here, kind of starting with uh, this interstitial chapter, this the, the, the shuffle, because the story of Eddie and Roland kind of getting to know each other um, has not ended, you know, as they are walking north. And, you know, Eddie is dealing with withdrawal and kind of hating Roland for trapping him here without any heroin. And Roland is, you know, kind of trying to be on the upswing with these antibiotics. Uh, there's some uh, the, the, there's some stuff that passes in between. Um, and something that is awesome about these little um, kind of interludes is the structure of them, which is it is like cards shuffling to kind of create this montage, right? Yeah. Mm, I didn't get that on my first read. I completely didn't understand <laughs> what shuffle was. And on my second read, it's so painfully obvious. I do feel kind of stupid for not getting it now. It, yeah, um, I have go ahead. I have such such mixed feelings on this as kind of a narrative conceit. I, I feel on the one hand like it's super cool, but he leans so hard into the deck of cards metaphor yeah. that it just kind of you know, we're only getting to like the second section of the second book and it already feels a little played out. Mm, yeah. So but. it's, <laughs> I, I like it, but I'm just like, he, he leans on this so much that it's hard not to feel a, a little bit annoyed with it. Yeah. It's, um, it, it, it's definitely out front. Like it interrupts the text. It's used to good effect here because we are covering a lot of time in a very short amount of text. Um, Weirdly enough, I think this works a lot better in the audiobook version um, because, you know, again, Frank Muller, uh, National Treasure, uh, rest in peace, all of that um, kind of sells that as the shuffle as like this, the, the, this interruption, like presented as like this linear flow of information that just has boom, shuffle, interrupt, and then it shifts to something else that actually works really, really well. Agreed. I, I, um, I, I remember when I listened to this, the, the, my first experience with this book is the only one where I had the audiobook first. Mm-hmm. And I, I remembered really enjoying it. And every time I've read it since then, maybe it's at, maybe it's in part that the novelty wore off. But I, I think that a, a bigger part of it is it loses a lot of the effect when you can see the page and you can physically see that like, oh, like there's a break coming soon. Yeah. Kind of uh, keep the keep the whole page in your in your head at that first uh, that first glance. Yeah, and you know this this entire kind of interstitial chapter is dealing with Roland and 
like like Roland's infection fever dreams and Eddie's cold turkey heroin withdrawal. Yeah. And and so especially in the audiobook where it's it's legitimately disorienting, I thought it was really really cool. Yeah. So, you know, the kind of the opening salvo of their relationship on the other side is that, you know, Eddie at first tries to justify taking care of Roland by like, oh, if you die, I don't have any chance to get back. You know, I know that there's going to be another door. So open wide for Dr. Eddie, you kidnapping fuck. Um, <laughs> feeding him some kind of mystery meat that turns out to be lobstrosity, which is horrifying. Horrifying to Roland. <laughs> and it's even more horrifying because Eddie hopes that he is laundering the meat of uh, of Jack Andalini. I, yeah, I that was a bit weird, I mean, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you got to have goals. Like even if they're <laughs> even if they're weird and creepy, you gotta have something to get up for in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so when Eddie says that, when Eddie says that, Roland says, "Well, one of these ate my fingers too." He's like, "Well, that'd be fine too." <laughs> it's a it's a real kind of fuck you. Like, ah, uh, gosh, the codependence is strong. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, is that how you become a gunslinger? You have to eat part of another gunslinger. I think so. It's a little bit like a Highlander situation. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So there can be only one course. It's 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 a one course meal. It's ju- it's just head. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> it's so filling. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just so many like nice little kind of back and forths here. Like what's stu- like what stuck out to you? You know, before we get to kind of the big, the big eulogy where we get the kind of the final part of the, of the Henry story for right now, like in, in Eddie's back and forth, like chase, like what, uh, what, what stuck out to you? Um, just the, the fading in and out. Like you can tell a lot of time is passing. Um, and that he's, um, coming in and out of consciousness because he is, you know, fighting the infections and diseases that's going on inside him right then. Um, I'm not sure if anybody who, you know, anybody on the panel or anybody who's listening has had the, uh, misfortune of like fading in and out of like you know medis- medicated states but mm-hmm. it was very reminiscent to a very small handful of my own experiences mm. um fighting this that and the other yeah and it was uh, it felt very true to that and the you know this is my first time going through all of these so the shuffling you know that didn't um that wasn't grating for me i thought that was really cool Pat, patty how about you like did any of the back and forth between between eddie and roland uh stick out um, for you it kind of it actually reminds me of uh a training session i had at work a while ago uh we learned about group dynamics um and there's a guy called bruce tuckman who did stages of group development uh and the four are forming storming norming and performing uh, <laughs> oh gosh wait, hmm. yeah. wait what now <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> it's a storm of gerunds. So in 1963, Bruce Tuckman proposed a model for group development of how groups come together and how they uh, basically link up and how they move forwards and how they, you know, improve and how they work together. Uh, and there are four stages. There's forming where you, you meet each other and there's storming where you work out where you fit within the group. And there's norming where you're doing a good job. And then there's performing where you're doing a brilliant job. Huh. And they're storming right now. They're they're working out who each other are. Uh, they're feeling each other out a bit. You know, they're, they're definitely in the storming phase. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can I can get on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a little bit like the hero's journey for forming a party. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Management training. Didn't expect that today, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I love these. Uh, I love these unexpected syntheses. 
Yeah. <laughs> Next up, Maslow's hierarchy of need. First, Ooh. you eat lobster. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're, it's it's the difference between between eating the lobster and the joy you get out of killing the lobster. Um, and the highest <laughs> is eating your deceased enemies. Um, again, laundered. in the form of a lobster that yeah. you killed. Yeah, laundered, laundered through the yeah. lobster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's that's a whole bunch of money in the lobster jar right now. <laughs> oh God. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about the lobster jar. I haven't edited that episode yet. <laughs> Fuck. I wasn't um, on that episode. I'm very. I'm interested to hear about this lobster jar. <laughs> oh, I, just... I don't. I don't understand it at all. But. Uh... Apparently, Cole's not allowed to say lobster. I don't know if that applies to the rest of us. I, I'm not. I'm not allowed to refer to a lobstrosity as a lobster. It diminishes them. Um, so, my, my favorite thing is just these interactions about the sense of humor because that is where Eddie, Eddie kind of defines himself, uh, especially in contrast to Roland. Like, oh, you know, what happened to you? You don't have any sense of humor. Um, and, and Roland says, "Oh, shut off in one war or another, I guess." Right. Like that right there is a two sentence exchange that that kind of explains their difference in in experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. But the um, but the main kind of the centerpiece of this is, you know, Eddie talking to Roland, Roland, who has already intuited, you know, a lot of the a lot of the size and shape of his relationship with Henry talking to Roland and then kind of inadvertently eulogizing Henry, his, you know, his 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 dead brother kind of to talk to bury him right explaining kind of their history with their sister dying and uh you know henry getting this kind of martyr complex of sacrificing everything for eddie you know he couldn't study even though they just watched tv and wrestled uh he couldn't uh he couldn't could he couldn't go to school even though he could have studied and gotten, gotten a scholarship all that stuff he had to go to war and you know ultimately became addicted to heroin um because of that and explaining just how they how they dragged each other down until they until they switch places you know we beat the i beat the codependence drum a lot last episode um you know as an armchair armchair psychologist about these but like eddie you know points out to roland like hey you know this is this is just something that you might not understand but some people need people to need them you know eddie even though somebody was taking care of him so performatively for so much of his life that turned around and that became his purpose. It's also interesting with, with Eddie kind of going on about his, his childhood and growing up with Henry and the role that their mother played in that. And just, we already kind of know some of Roland's mommy issues for lack of a better term. Like, yeah. and, and Roland's word, I like, they, they seem kind of like uh Oedipal adjacent. I and, think that's fair uh, to say. And, and, and Henry, Henry or Henry Eddie's do not, but there's still very much like the influence of the mother as a kind of a shaping force in the rest of their lives for both of them. Yeah, because it was it was their mother who was saying, you know, oh, like Henry couldn't study. Henry can't go to school. Henry has to go to war, and she was saying it to both of them. So like Henry's issues which ultimately wound up almost killing eddie were kind of fed into by their mom rather than coming from any flaw within him yeah i mean and she definitely yeah. established the power dynamic between the two of them right yeah and and you know it's it's just kind of interesting because we we meet 
Eddie and we meet Roland and they're both at points in their lives where if it were not for the direct influence of their mother's words and actions would not be where they are. Right. And it's just it's such different places, but neither of them is a particularly good place. <laughs> yeah. And there's also, you know, a difference of a difference of years, too. Right. I mean, Roland is several, oh. year, several years out from this, whereas like, yeah. you know, uh, oh, gosh, Eddie might as well have lost his brother like yesterday. Right. There, there's a, there's some substantial differences between the two of them, but that 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 particular uh, influence, I guess, has always stuck out to me and been been very interesting. And I don't remember if it comes up at all elsewhere. I know like Jake kind of has parental issues in a larger sort of way, but I'm I'm curious as I I'm going through reading these books again to see if that crops up as a recurring theme. Yeah. Yeah. I just flipping through my Rolodex here. I can't remember if it actually comes out like that. I think that like, you know, as we get to, you know, Odetta and, and eventually Su Su Susanna, they had kind of charmed homes, uh, homes, home lives in a, in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is also where we're introduced to the idea of Ka, you know, this idea that, um, you know, there is this force that is outside of people. Um, you know, some people would call it destiny. That would be a close analog. But Roland latches onto this idea of duty. Right. Um, you know, and Eddie, of course, latches onto the idea that if you say it twice, it sounds like the baby word for uh, for, for for crap. <laughs> so, for, for, for duty. For duty. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew as soon as I said the word duty that somebody would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go yep um but um but it's uh it's it's funny because i associate ka very much with uh book three and beyond when it becomes more of a more of a narrative force as opposed to like a pseudo spiritual justification for coincidence also um this is where they find the door and we get another demonstration of Roland's bombardier's eyes. He sees the door days before they actually get to it. He sees it days days of walking uh before ID does. So he's got that going for them as they get to the Lady of Shadows door and open it up and Eddie's like Sayonara and grabs a gun. And Roland lets him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Either cuz uh, he's like ah like, I think it, it, the the line in the book is that uh, it's the first time you ever let someone take a gun off him without being asked or without being offered. Yeah. Is it because he can't like I I, I kind of I couldn't work out if it's because he's just letting him do it because he needs to work some stuff out or he's letting him do it because Roland's still absolutely knackered. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't say so I don't know and Roland is mm. impenetrable. But yeah. <laughs> um. Damn those eyes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we 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 see into and we get a uh, a sense of you know our next you know of, of the second of the three this Odetta Holmes slash uh, slash Detta Walker, um, and this chapter uh, is mostly is mostly history about this character who kind of ends up being a uh, fictional major player in a fictional version of this of the civil rights movement from the uh, from the nineteen sixties. Um, and it also opens up with an inaccurate, uh, definition of schizophrenia, which we're just going to have to move past. He's using schizophrenia interchangeably with a, an, another kind of semi-fictionalized disorder, multiple personality, but 
we have Detta Walker and Odetta Holmes, both of whom share a body and neither of whom are um, aware of each other. Yeah. yeah, neither neither of whom are particularly balanced or well adjusted either. Yeah, I remember having is, a lot more sympathy for Odetta in my first read through. I wasn't same. Yeah, <laughs> I like that's that's the the biggest takeaway that I had from uh, the reading for this section was just how not with it Odetta was. Yeah. And I, I remember the 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 first time through, and I, I think even the the more recent, the subsequent read throughs that I've done on this, I I felt like oh you know like you have Odetta who's a little bit too much of a pacifist. It's like no, o- Odetta's like she's got ideals, but that's it. Yeah. And it's it's these yeah th- these two very different. Um, but also very incomplete personas. Yeah. Um, uh, like o- Odetta is a saint on paper, right? You know, we, we, we catch yeah. her right as she is coming back from suffering terrible indignities in, in Oxford, Mississippi. Right. But it's, it, it's, it's not like straight up, I guess it's like stated later, but you know, the person who Odetta eventually becomes um, says like, Oh, you know, she, she's a hypocrite. You know, has the ideals, but not the but not the action to you know not the will to act on them, as opposed to you know Detta, who is all action, but is depraved and has no ideals. You know, is 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 just prejudice. And again, we're getting into those dynamics that we outlined at the at, at the at the start of it. But you know, we have this kind of immediate contradiction in Odetta when we you know cut in in the middle of this conversation about whether or not um, John Kennedy was the last gunslinger you know her 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 driver is uh you know is is talking about this this uh story you know it's it's 1964 and uh you know she's like oh that's not true you know the world is so violent if if there was ever a time for gunslingers for people of the gun that time has passed um but you know (laughs) she tells herself like yeah don't pretend you don't understand it and don't pretend you don't you don't don't pretend that you disagree you know yeah Man, this is complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we get this sense. Um, you know, I, I mentioned her going to Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, you know, she's uh, it's revealed kind of and not as a surprise, but, you know, like this is this is kind of doled out. Um, you know, the fact that she is, you know, uh, a black woman and uh, also the fact that she has lost her legs. It's doled out um, kind of uh, incrementally. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about yeah. that, that that decision to like hide that I like the, those kind of important aspects about her character you know throughout the throughout the first half of this chapter? I actually love it. Uh, the first time that I read through it, the, the a lot of the details, like the fact that she is a paraplegic, uh, totally caught me off guard. And it's been a while since the last time I read any of the books, and so reading it through this time, I genuinely had forgotten that detail about her. Mm. And uh, just because when you when, when I think about her character, that's that's such such a low tier detail as far as who her character is. Right. And and so I, I just had lost it and reading through and getting to that reveal. It was just like, oh, fuck, I forgot. Yeah. And, and it just kind of gave me a, a 
much greater appreciation for how well he handles this sort of um, like doling of information, as you said. Yeah. Patty, how about you? Um, yeah, I, I like that they sort of drip feed it because there's a lot there's a lot going on with Odetta slash Detta um, with the, the, the whole paraplegic thing and the schizophrenic aspect um, and the sort of various history she's got. I, I like that they kind of drip feed it uh, bit by bit. And they even with the, the civil rights stuff as well, they kind of they drip feed that a bit as well. Uh, and uh, as someone who lives in, in England and I'm not as aware of the history uh, as a lot of, you know, the American guys that I know are, it was not really as, a bigger part of our sort of education uh, right. as you guys is. Um, and I know it's kind of not completely right compared to the actual history, but it's right. kind of, it gives you an idea of where she is and where the, sort of what the world is like around her. Uh, and it serves a, no, a nicer introduction than just, hey, by the way, this, 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 chapter two, go. <laughs> Preferred that. And then the, the whole reveal about her not having legs was like, what? what? Hmm? what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when he, when he just, it's only revealed when he, when the chauffeur pulls the, pulls the scaffolding of the, uh, of the wheelchair out of the trunk. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's, and it's kind of toward a, a break before we go back to, go back to Roland and Eddie. Um, Chase, how about you? I really liked the sense of discovery that it had as you were going through because it was you are uncovering a lot about this character as um, as the chapter progresses. Like, oh, she's a, a woman of color. Oh, she's paraplegic. That's, you know, th- th- neither of those things are terribly prevalent in, for lack of a better term, a fantasy book. Right, right. And, Genre fiction like this. Yeah. And it is to have someone you know who is you know of color and who has who is a paraplegic um clearly at the front and center of uh something like this is it is an on how should i put this um it is an incredibly welcome surprise yeah um especially for when it was written too like you know as we said at the very beginning of this we're gonna hit some choppy waters real quick (laughs) um but but right now this is a really welcome it's like oh it's breath of fresh air like i've i've been reading the name of the wind recently which those are those are some fantastic books but a lot of white folks there yeah she's a she's an important character so you know she's one of the of the main of the main five Mm -hmm. yeah that that sense of discovery um i i think that's why i keep coming back to drawing of the three as maybe my favorite book in the series yeah just because there's so much of that and I, I love that in in books. I love it in movies and television. It's absolutely my favorite part of playing video games. Like I, I love something that gives you a really good, satisfying, fulfilling sense of discovery. Yeah. Patty, you were going to say something. No, I was shutting up my chinchillas who were going nuts. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> they always pick the worst times to rattle the bars when I've been spraying. So, yes, no. That's... Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to leave that in because that was that that that, that was funny. Uh, That's why. <laughs> yeah. If uh, if I had just gotten a one sentence description of Odetta Holmes, um, I would have probably carried a lot of assumptions into who her character was. Um, you know, not willingly, not consciously, but like it it, it would be. I would come to a, a premature and very different conclusion about the way this character would function. Um than what I ultimately got by having it kind of 
exposed over the course of these, you know, over the course of these several pages. So that is th- th- that is pretty great because she's not defined by the fact that she doesn't have her legs. You know, it's it's there. Mm. It's a logistical concern for the party as they go along. Uh, but like that is, you know, that that, that is not her. Um, her history in the civil rights movement, it's very um, kind of important for this book. But it becomes background for what she ultimately turns into later on. Like none of this is anything that, you know, comes out. What's important is this duality and kind of the, you know, the the idea that in this, you know, this theme throughout the entire book of people who have different presences inside their head, either through memory or through, um, <laughs> you know, kind of self-imposed construction or literally possession um, in a lot of cases, you know, like the, the, that is the most important thing. And that is the function of her in this right now. And that is the thing that buoys her presentation for me, even when we get into details about you know the way odetta acts and speaks the with the way that detta sorry acts and speaks i mean it's, it's interesting you say that uh like it, it is better than one sentence i actually thought that the driver andrew had a good one sentence summary of her oh yeah uh, of odetta uh quite quite a well put together series of words um he just says where's the rest of you so when she sort of when she sort of vanishes yeah and that that's really more more about her having a little blackouts than her episodes where she she goes off and is dead for a while than her knees for yeah. instance but uh i just thought like those those cuff you was like oh, that's that's quite clever yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i i i forgot to I, I i read that but i didn't highlight it that is actually a very good summary because there is mm. more to her than we than we see there are a couple of details i love these logistics where you know, Odetta lives in a, you know, in a penthouse in, you know, on, on, on Fifth Avenue, whereas, whereas Detta lives in a shitty loft down Greenwich Village, you know, uh, Odetta is the heir to a, you know, to a fortune, right? Um, you know, she's been on the cover of Times and Detta has no idea that this is true. She just kind of goes and, and, and does her things regardless of how it affects Odetta's, you know, physical presence regardless of how much time disappears, how much Odetta has to kind of like fictionalize away. Whereas Detta just kind of acknowledges that there are gaps and comes back and again, does her thing. Just uh, the, the way that this, the, the way that this is kind of held together by both apparently, you know, seemingly just scotch tape and all of all of the people around her being afraid to inquire too closely is, uh, is, is pretty, pretty compelling to me. So they live in different places. All the personalities live in a different place. Like, does she wipe out the walking from one place to the other? How does she get between them and not know? Uh, good. That hurts my brain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good, 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 good old fashioned literary license. Okay. Is there like, is there like a third personality they don't know about who just exists to walk between houses? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it's the walking lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, rolling. Maybe. Uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I was I was doing more of a player Randall Flag, but he's 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 busy elsewhere. Um, mm, uh. Yeah. So this kind of transitions into um, history about uh, about Detta and and what she has done. And this is a very kind of important scene for her. You know, describing her acquisition and destruction of the first special plate from the Blue Lady. 
Um, so uh, again, this is the, this is one of those things where like this is this is being played for for creep factors. How did you guys respond to the scene of this young this young woman um, destroying property while also quite, quite frankly masturbating? Um, well, I'll tell you one thing. I responded very differently at thirty than at seventeen. Oh, really? Uh, 17, I was confused, did not know what to think. Yeah. Um, was not, not totally into it, but closer to being into it than I was happy acknowledging. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and going through it this time, I was just like, man, this is fucking weird. Yeah. Like it there was no ambiguity at all. No. And uh, I, I feel like that probably has more to do with the aging process than the content uh, specifically. <laughs> right. But that was that was my 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 major experience with with this particular portion of the book. Yeah. Patty, how did how did this bounce off of you? Um, it, it's quite normal. Who's who's never stamped on a plate and <laughs> yeah. enjoyed? You, you've you've never done the bull in the china shop. No. no? <laughs> 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 To Urban Dictionary. And we all got to go to England, I guess. <laughs> That's wild. That's great, man. You walk past you walk past plate shops and the, the, the guys just look at you like, don't, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, here he comes again. No. <laughs> uh, um, all right, so, 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 Cole, I can, I can exp- expense my plane ticket to the Duckbeat account, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. uh, you should this be getting is, your Amex black card shortly. Yeah, yeah. This is this is research for the show. We're going on a full special trip. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> um, back, back on back on topic. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I found this whole kind of scene where she's it's kind of quite dreamy, and it's it's just one damn big long sentence. Yes, uh, kind of skipping between various kind of bits of her life you know there's it's not got the sort of same sign of blackouts that odetta has it kind of just jumps and skips and moves ahead you know every year or so she'll have another one uh and it'll skip ahead from her stood in a, the alleyway smashing the plate to then she's wearing another dress and she's in the back of someone's car yeah. and then she's skipping ahead again and she's she's stealing something from her shop um kind of reminded me a bit of the shuffle uh chapter really now yeah. it kind of keeps jumping and flipping and switching and it's it's that again um and it's this one big long sentence that goes over about three pages um, and, th- and then culminates with a one word sentence. It's the word cheap, yeah. which just sums up everything that was before, but in one word. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. No, very, very, uh, very astute. Chase, how about you? Um, I thought this was the uncomfortable part. And when I got past it, I thought, OK, well, that was that was really, really rough. But I mean, it, it's not going to get much worse than that. Right wrong <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so, so it's it's an establishing moment for detta right because you know it links uh her her sexuality with a desire for destruction right and it's kind of cool like it is that one long sentence and we see that a couple times in this in this stretch uh henry's eulogy was kind of the same way um <clears throat> but like she's jumping from like theme to theme almost um, in this kind of stream of consciousness, like going from destroying this, you know, this this plate that she had, you know, what was obviously like a totemic object in their household 
you know, as a blue lady, it was, you know, for special. And then going to this, you know, the drawers, again, remember the phrase, the drawers, we talked about that before, um, back in the gunslinger, and it's going to come back up again. Um, and destroying this white thing with blue at the edges. And then immediately, you know, this rat guy with a round face that is white with blue veins at the edges as she like rips it apart until he vomits out, out of the car. Um, you know, it is, it is definitely establishing that, you know, she is a creature of sex and destruction. And I don't, I don't know how to say that without feeling exploitative or, or trashy. So there we go. I mean, it, yeah, it's I was, cheap. I was, yeah, I was very glad that you were willing to take that one, Cole. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, so like a B movie, <laughs> a woman of sex and destruction. Yeah, but it's <laughs> but it's on the page, and we and we we see that, especially whenever Data pops up again in the future, um, you know, especially as she kind of serves as, you know. Uh, let's say let's say three quarters of the villain for the for, for the last half of the book. <laughs> um, no. You know, it's uh, it's 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 really there, kind of kind of showing her her relationship. Um, and then you know we contrast that with Odetta being too sensitive to being a limousine liberal to you know take her car going onto the subway and then you know leading ultimately to her uh, you know the her, her losing her legs. Right. So again, mm. just a bunch of contrast between the two of them. Um, and there's a little bit of like detail about Odetta, how she got involved in the movement. This is a lot of like, I just pictured, you know, any montage of the sixties is just set to incense and peppermints. And then it's like, you know, here's a, you know, here's black and white footage of the, of the Zapruder film, you know? Mm. <laughs> uh, Wait, so, so every, every scene from the sixties is the Zapruder film to you? Yes. I mean, you can't say it didn't define the era. I just usually hear fortunate son. <laughs> I guess I just, when I'm, when I'm thinking about that, I like, I'm not, I don't assume that the entire decade was just the Zapruder film. <laughs> yeah. That seems like a very narrow worldview, Cole. Yeah. Back well, there the was, left. there were those couple of, uh, those, those couple of Austin Powers years in the sixties, weren't there? Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, baby. Um, <laughs> Maybe it was different in England. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've, obviously, I am. I, I am kind of glossing over this. It is an outsized portion of the book to kind of cover the, the the details that, like Rosa Parks inspired Odetta, and she didn't believe that she would ever have the courage to do something quite like she did because, you know, being a single actor standing alone is not the same as you know joining a movement and being among others, right? So I feel neither equipped nor qualified to comment on the dynamics of that. But yeah, it's that, there. That sums the it up, I think. Yep. Mm. <laughs> so so we can move along to yeah. um to <laughs> Roland and Eddie's kind of first uh first estimations of, of what happens after they open the door because all of that is is kind of uh prologue to introducing their interaction with with Detta and Odetta as they open yeah, the door. Good. Yeah, let's uh let's get back to talking about white guys. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> white guys on a <laughs> Hello Hello Comfort Zone. Um yeah. everybody uh... unclench. <laughs> we're gonna be ready to clench up uh, a, a little later on again. Um God, I hope we're doing this it's, okay. It's so it's so strange, and I, I feel this 
so much more now, like talking about it in a way that I know that people are going to hear and ostensibly have opinions about. Well, people are also uh, pulling their hair out because we are walking on eggshells around it. It's in the oh, book. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Um, but even even just reading through this, it's always so striking every single time I've read this book when I get to the shift back to Roland and Eddie and as tense and contentious as their relationship is now, which is arguably, I think, at or close to the the highest tensions run between them. Mm-hmm. Um, just what a relief it is to get to their dynamic just just because there's so much going on with with Odetta and Odetta and their lives and the people they interact with and that whole backstory that I just don't even totally know how to think about. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, we've got uh, Clint Eastwood and Aaron Paul fighting <laughs> over guns and drugs on a fantasy lobster beach. <laughs> yeah. This well, maybe is like maybe I'm, we I'm, are. I'm, I'm on board. At this at this point, we we are. Uh, the four of us, we are Roland and Eddie stood on a beach. We're looking in yeah. on a world that we don't quite understand <laughs> through a door of podcasting. Yeah. The door is the book. <laughs> <laughs> the door the door is your Kindle and you can press a button and go. Yeah. And it says it says the Lady of Shadows and we open the door and then and then a strange world that we don't understand. Yeah. And then if we want to, we can close the book and we're back in the world of boys on a beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so can, let's, can this can ahead. this episode's uh, title or at least subtitle just be "Boys on a Beach"? <laughs> I think we could probably. I, I can, would I, love that. I could probably so work that into the iTunes description. Show notes at least. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, in fact, let me open Fireside right now so I can so I can go take care of that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I feel like there's some good Photoshop work in there somewhere. Oh yeah, <laughs> the Dark Tower Extreme Beach Volleyball. <laughs> well, Roland has to put a spin on the ball because he's missing half of his hand. Um, um, I don't feel good about that. You shouldn't reward that. Who are they uh, playing? The lobsters? <laughs> of course. <laughs> they've, they've got their own little cheering section. Yeah. Data check, data chum, data spike. Oh my <laughs> um, so moving on, uh, lest we lest we belabor this uh, too terribly much, you know they open up uh, and Roland is kind of uh, bedazzled by the fact that he has um, a bedazzles when he put like chintzy jewels on shit, isn't it? Fuck, um, <laughs> he's he's a little bit uh, uh, thrown off by the fact that the movement is so smooth, whereas Eddie, because he is used to seeing films with Steadicam, such as The Shining, which is a weird thing for Steen, for Stephen King to drop in. <laughs> oh yeah yeah right considering he hates that movie um <laughs> but uh you know like eddie just kind of takes it takes it as normal but they you know but rowan realizes there's something missing in the fact that you don't see the kind of pendulum gate of somebody walking so um but yeah like they they determine hey you know these clerks don't like this, whoever this is um eddie realizes it's new york city so this immediately amps things up as uh you know he threatens kind of kind of flaccidly to kill roland so he can go through the door mm. understanding fully that roland is the projector for this particular film and if roland yeah. dies the door closes forever but before they open the door like they don't even know if it's going to go to 
like to Eddie's world. It could be to a, a, a nine armed horrible tentacle monster. Yeah, mm-hmm. which which role in names? It, it, it'd be, it would have nine arms and eight eyes, like Silva mm. or something like that. <laughs> yeah, oh, give me those world details. I want to know who Silva is. Give me a oh, Codex man. King. Give me a Codex. This is Bloodborne. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they have no idea. But of course, it's going to be New York because that is the center of the, uh, literally the center of the multiverse. So don't know how I feel about that, but there we are. <laughs> well, as, as an English person, uh, whenever I watch TV shows, uh, it, it is always New York. So that's of course. quite prescient of Stephen King. Everything rolls around New York City. Every yeah. film. Yep, I, <laughs> I was, I was going to say, I would love the uh, like the cargo cult outsider's uh, uh, view of America where Bangor, Maine is the capital because of Stephen <laughs> King's works. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never been there. It'd be awesome to go to Maine. I would, I would like to drive up that coast, but that's just me being boring and white. Um, <laughs> so there's a cheerful confrontation as they... As they notice that she is, uh, that, 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 you know, this Lady of Shadows is stealing costume jewelry. And Eddie remarks to that fact, like, hey, <laughs> quite a little gang you're assembling. You got your basic white junkie and your basic, uh, your, your, your basic black shoplifter. Um, you know, to which Roland says, well, fuck it, I'm going through. And Eddie decides to hold a knife to Roland's throat. Mm. <laughs> With such Roland, an, such an impotent move. threat. I want to yeah. show you what happens when you fuck over the Dean brothers. I always felt like that was such a weird thing for him to go with. And by him, I mean, I guess, King for Eddie. Yeah. Not not because it's it's inexplicable, because it does make sense to like to Eddie's character at this point. But like if I was writing these books like that is not a thought that I would have had, like, like just that completely useless but sincere of a threat with with all of the context behind it like it's it's just so weird <laughs> I don't I mean, know he's makes... kind of like furious at this point now he because the door is open and he can see that it's new york and and that means it means heroin it means fried chicken it means he might be able to go through and get home and roland just won't let him he's like nah you're not going to come back you're just going to go through and fuck me over you're staying here and Eddie's like, furious at him. Roland is making some presumptions. He's telling Eddie, like, that part of your life is over. And he's not just talking about the heroin. He's talking about New York. He's talking about his own world. He's talking about kind of everything that he knew at that time. Mm. And then c- kind of combined with the fact that whenever Eddie asks him about, you know, the tower, he's like, I just, I just know. I just know. <laughs> no, you're, you're, this, that part of your life is over. Why? Because, because, car. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Eddie and Eddie goes, yeah, caca. <laughs> I, I don't think he doesn't understand it yet. Maybe uh, he doesn't. He doesn't accept it. Possibly. Um, uh, and Eddie remains skeptical of Ka through the entire series. Like mm. you, you know, it becomes more and more Roland's mantra to explain not just why things happen, but why he must take the actions that he does. And Eddie is far too much of a skeptic. Um, you know, in the times when his complete trust in Roland doesn't take over. But he trusts Roland and not Ka. Yeah. Is that an accurate uh kind of a kind of kind of summary, Evan? Do you think? Yeah, I I definitely think so. Yeah. Um and it, it also kind of is echoed in um in in the audiobooks he 
they, they pronounce it Cuthbert, but I always read it as Cuthbert. Of course. Um, but it's like that skepticism is kind of echoed in all of the flashbacks with Cuthbert. Like the, that, that is a parallel that has been consistent. Yeah. So you kind of get the impression that Roland is doing this because it's what he's always had to do. <laughs> right. Like, like, and by like, he's, he's explaining this in the way that he is because he's always had to explain this to someone important in his life. Right. Yeah, it's a uh, Roland is constantly react, reacting to just a series of archetypes. <laughs> yeah, because that is the, the that that is the simple way in which he has always kind of interacted with the world. Yeah, yeah, he's my my favorite part about Roland's uh, character's dynamic within the world of the Dark Tower series is that he is so simple and direct and straightforward that people don't understand it. <laughs> Like people, oh. people are baffled by how just literal and straightforward and, uh, you know, like th- th- this is Roland. This yeah. is what Roland does. And <laughs> why does Roland do it? Because this is what Roland does. Yeah. And nobody knows how to handle that. And I think that's amazing. <laughs> Where, uh, where's the rest of you? Mm. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Sorry. So over. <laughs> All right, you can support us on Patreon. No, it's, uh, we, we, have, we, have, we have more, we have more to more to do. Um, and Chase, I'd be remiss if I didn't give you a chance to to, to respond to kind of like Eddie's mental state at this point. What makes him say you don't fuck over the Dean brothers? Um, a denial, maybe. Yeah. Maybe he feels like there is some way that he can still fix all of this shit because where he's sitting, it is absolutely shit that needs to be fixed. And maybe this is me projecting, you know, my own insecurities and how I tend to, you know, deal with the world when I am put into a situation because I am a fixer and I like to fix things. Um, But because that is exactly how I would react to it maybe not going quite so far as to invoke my dead brother uh, but here we are um but he's definitely not in his right mind and he's looking out and he's seeing okay this is this is new york this isn't the new york that i remember uh because they uh make note that this is definitely like uh eddie notes that it's got to be in the past somewhere yeah it's older yeah Mm. the the he makes i remember seeing uh he makes a special note that the uh taxi horns sound different and more distant (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like okay well it's not as busy so clearly it's got to be from a while back right. uh but something's better than nothing so maybe here we go let's see how this goes um and clearly it and you know the fact that we are you know continue to talk about eddie and roland in a future tense um shows that he doesn't go through with this really just <laughs> among the least excellent plans uh, <laughs> i've ever seen um if yeah. To, to 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 give a charitable uh, to give a charitable interpretation of of his condition, he has just suffered not just a loss of his of his brother, but a loss of his entire world, and oh, yeah. he's only kind of reacting to his short term needs. Um, one of which I'm sympathetic to the desire for fried chicken. Um, mm. The other one, you know, heroin. You know, again, Eddie says, you know, everybody's everybody's got their junk. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. Uh, but this goes into kind of the uh, a shorter chapter here, ringing the changes. Not quite sure where the title comes from, but this uh, this explains how Odetta lost her legs. 
um, and kind of shows the precipitation, not the not the creation of of data. We learn a little bit more about that later on, um, but uh, kind of the the incident that started drawing her forward even more and more. So this goes back to 1959. You know, Odetta's parents are still alive at this point. Um, and, Can I just cut in here? It's, yes. Uh, I believe it's April April 19th, 1959. There we go. 19. Oh, shit. Yep, there we are. Wow. Huh. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. And you would think it that... It only uh, stuck out on my read the other day. I went, ah, 19! <laughs> Circled. Yeah. <laughs> cool, oh, thank you. <laughs> Uh, let me see here. Let me add these up. Nope, that doesn't add up to 19. So I was going <laughs> to add together the digits of 1959, but that does not. Um, so uh, oh, calculate time with Cole Ross. Yep. Uh, sorry, it was. <laughs> uh, I, I can't do math without speaking it out loud. Um, I was also <laughs> counting on my fingers too. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, this is they make a cool choice here because kind of like the airplane scene. That was described through the perspective of the uh, of the of the flight attendant. This is described almost entirely by recollection of an EMT and a medical intern. The EMT mm. being Julio, and uh, the the intern being George, who was kind of along a for a ride along, and describes again in this meandering detail this horrible plane crash that he responded to. Said, "Hey, I'm going to quit being a doctor." said, no, I'm going to be a doctor, and then saw this, and it was the weirdest thing he ever saw. So again, we're setting the stakes. Mm. And George mm -hmm. is cool. <laughs> I like both of these guys a lot. They're pretty great. Draw, too. draw those. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could use a doctor, but all of you are so sick. <laughs> yeah. God, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> and not just a doctor, a, a cool intern who tells paramedics yeah. to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Bring oh. him. Oh, plus, God. Plus, there's still a third door. You're getting a bonus draw. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Draw by association. Definitely draw George. I mean, you start Oregon Trail as a doctor, for Christ's sake. Ugh. What's going on? <laughs> These people, I tell you. <laughs> I mean, I guess you're pulling the banker right now, so that ain't nothing. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Well, I'd... yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Cool. Well, you, you... Uh, Go ahead. R remind remind me to send you the uh, the stupid, stupid uh, Oregon Trail theme sting that I made for a uh, teenage dirtbags segment that Brayton said was too dumb. <laughs> Oh God! That is, uh, huh? Yeah, please do because I want to know what's too dumb for teenage dirtbags. Yeah, I, I uh, would also like to know what that is. Oh, the, the, <laughs> the the sting I think was fine. Like the music was the best part of the idea. Oh, of I don't course. remember the rest of it, but he was absolutely right. I just came up with a segment because I had this dumb idea for a musical sting. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I love that show with all my heart, but it's a. Uh, they have like what, uh, just short of a hundred uh, segment stingers for it. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it's 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 it, great. I love them all. Uh, but the story here um, is that somebody has pushed, you know, this young woman has pushed this Odetta Holmes onto the tracks in front of the fabled A train. Um, you know, and she missed the fabled third rail, but. She was not able to, you know, climb away before her legs were severed just above the knee. So 
already horrific. Anybody who has ever ridden a subway or been near a train of any kind has had an intrusive thought about what would happen if I was just put in front of this, you know, unstoppable thing. Um, worst nightmare. Mm. I mean, mm. maybe, maybe I'm projecting there. I don't know. It's not great. <laughs> I don't want to try. Do we have I any... had that thought, but I don't want to try. Do we have any counterpoints? About... <laughs> I mean, I always thought if I got pushed, I'd, I'd deal with it like kind of like Neo from the Matrix. I'd kind of like do like a cool flip mm. and maybe sort of balance on the edge and be like, whoa. When the time you know, like comes. Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> when the time comes, you won't even have to dodge trains. Um... I've, I've, I've honestly not thought about it, but I'm super stoked to ride a train next time. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. I I know anxiety is contagious to a certain degree, and I feel kind of bad about what I just did. But boys on the beach, <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't don't feel bad. I was just fucking with you. I've totally had that okay, thought. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it was just a just a joke. For okay, cool. Are lulls still a thing? Is that still a quantifiable thing that I, I we're trying to get? I, I think that might have been taken over by the Nazis. Oh, fuck. All right. Well, God you know. It. Yeah. That's dating ourselves here uh but um <laughs> so a couple things couple things happen here you know uh, a subway hero uh jumps in and ties a tourniquet the emts you know george you know george and julio come in and start tying off the arteries and the police you know give them enough blood to make sure she doesn't die uh right away and they're loading her up with enough drugs but they can't actually sedate her because Detta has come come straight to the fore, um, and they note that she is talking in this kind of cartoonish version of a black patois. Uh, and I'm not going to attempt to reproduce this. Uh, Frank Muller again in the audiobook version does you know like he does what's on the page. It's right mm -hmm. there, but this is yeah. um, very stereotypical. It's very aggressive. Um, and it's made even weirder and again, more surreal and off putting by the fact that she is lapsing between that and this very polite, Oh, what happened to my legs talk from Odetta. Yeah, this is, uh, in, in a, a multi-book series full of really unsettling shit. This particular like back and forth is one of the most unsettling points for me, just that yeah. disparity and that. The, the level of unpleasantness contrasted with just the extreme, extremely proper mannerisms when you're asking about your missing legs. Like, right. it, neither one of them makes any sense. Yeah. And there, I just feel like there's nowhere for my brain to grab on when I'm reading through this scene. And it's 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 weird that this is one that sticks out at me as so strange like that. But there's some weird supernatural bullshit that happens later that freaks me out so much less than this right. does. Well, I mean, this is, this is 90% grounded, you know, and the thing that bothers the medical professional, the, the medical professionals in the, in, in the scene is, is not the obviously horrific thing. It is, it, you know, is the idea that she is shifting back and forth. That is what they're talking mm. about. Not the, you know, not the fact that she has lost her legs and, you know, almost died. Almost every time their eyes close. They open and they're and she's a different person again. Yeah. Um, see, I, I found it um, not so much unsettling. Like it's kind of like you know when like a video game tries to do like oh a ghost has possessed your character and you're fighting over it and it kind of flips back and forward. 
for me, it was a little bit too quick to unsettle. Uh, mm. It was a little bit too like, cartoonish, I suppose. Maybe that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it is. It was weird. Don't get me wrong. Like it, that was very, very weird. Mm. Uh, but I it, maybe maybe the flips were too quick to unsettle yeah. me that much. I don't know. Or maybe I'm maybe I'm just tough. <laughs> well, that's always an option, Patty. Yeah, <laughs> just let me have this. <laughs> Chase, how about you? How did this? How did this scene land for you? I really, I was kind of prepped for it because when um, when they get to the scene, they actually talk to somebody first, and there's somebody on the site that is, uh, you know, makes mention that she's talking like this, and um, the. Um, uh, the intern, you know, as we're looking through his eyes, it just says, oh, you know, he's, he's just being a racist asshole. What are you going to do? And then they get in the ambulance and she flips and becomes dead. And he's like, oh, huh. wait a minute. What? <laughs> no. And then it's pretty much that over and over again for the next like page and a half. Right, right. Yeah, and like they, you know, but before we even get to this series of events taking place on the page, they invoke Jekyll and Hyde, like, and we already know that she is, you know, two two minds fighting over one body. For hmm. for for me, it's just this, it's just this heightened, you know, the the, the heightened stakes of this. Have uh, has anybody here read all of uh, different seasons? The uh, the short story collection that has like the Shawshank Redemption and the short story that would become. Uh, uh oh gosh the uh, uh stand by me there we go no i actually i actually haven't nope. read any of that collection which i'm a little bit embarrassed about even if you've seen those movies a thousand times which i have um i've even seen apt pupil a couple of times it is really good um it's i've, I've meant to read it for so long and there's uh it's just a lot of books <laughs> yeah there's so many books <laughs> mm. <laughs> anybody else chase patty I, no, no I, my, I, my Stephen I, King is the first four books of Dark Tower and The Stand. That's all I've managed so far. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I uh, am about actually as behind as Evan as far as that one goes. It's just there's I I have not seen almost any of the Stephen King movies. I have not read any like this is uh, really kind of my primer going in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like different seasons as a as a collection of four novellas is is fucking great. Um, but there's a but there's one story, the one that hasn't been made into a film called I think the breathing method is very similar to this. It's about medical professionals reacting to this kind of extraordinary set of conditions relating to childbirth. I don't want to give away any more, but it has a very kind of similar cast to this. Not mm-hmm. cast as in like the people who are in it, but a very similar, you know, kind of tone and tenor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something I mean, something I've noticed with um uh, with sort of debtors episodes, uh, something you can sort of pick up on earlier. It seems like sort of the more trauma that Odetta suffers, the more debtor appears. Yes. So the losing of the, the, the losing of the legs uh, signifies, you know, a big upswing in the amount of debtor time uh, that she has. Uh, maybe really like bad. This is this is a bad link. But the more of her body she loses, the more debtor appears to fill in the blanks or something. Huh. Um, that's that's a terrible suggestion. <laughs> well, but it's the close it's the closest I've got at five thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, the, the the audience should know Patty, uh, who, who who lives over in England. Is it England, Patty? 
It is England. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm sorry. I, 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 I never want to make an assumption. I, I pretty much just take a guess every time. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I hate being incorrect about that. Patty, he woke up extremely early so he could be on the show with us. So thank you, Patty. That's all right. It's okay. I'm, I'm sitting here in my smoking jacket. I have a nice cup of tea. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Fantastic. I hope. Oh, the rest of the day shakes out well for you, and you don't, you, know, uh, you don't end up getting sleepy. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, don't worry. This will be out in about a month. It's, it's delayed gratification. Um, <laughs> no, that's. I mean, that, that that's not a bad read. Um, similarly, you could you could say that Detta is a little bit of a uh, defense mechanism. You know, she comes mm. in when when Odetta cannot handle the you know the trauma or the reality. Detta is tougher. Mm-hmm. Totally, she's made of more uh, more resilient stuff. So even if Odetta isn't consciously calling on her, you know, Detta is rising to the need. Yeah, yeah. But you know, so this you know kind of explains how you know how they lost her legs, and obviously Odetta and Detta both both survived. Um, but then we cut to the present day again. We're back at the door. You know, we're we're right at the moment where Roland dives through into you know the shoplifting Detta's body. Um, and Detta doesn't like this one bit. Uh, again, for kind of an uncomfortable detail, she can sense Roland's whiteness inside of her head. Um, so there's that. I I didn't know how to unpack that. <laughs> nope. Uh, there's, there's a lot of it there. Whatever it is. Oh yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's going to get worse. Uh, <laughs> I I I feel like this is because seeing Detta. In, not not in a vacuum, but like seeing Detta just kind of as a single human or a single part of a single human, um, it was very cartoonish and, and it, it's very over the top and it seemed like it was very deliberately done to have that effect. But then as soon as you see her um, interacting with Roland, that's when it kind of became obvious to me that it's like, oh, this is this is a white guy really overstretching. Yeah. Like this, this is a book that is not quite hitting what the author wants it to be doing. (laughs) And I don't feel great about it. Yeah. He's uh he's, he is uh writing checks. This story can't cash again. The character ends up in a good place, but Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the, the the notable thing here is that unlike Eddie, who never notices his his, his passenger um, until you know he ends up losing a little bit of time, Detta recognizes right away. You know, like this vessel. You know, Odetta slash Detta Detta Holmes um, slash Walker. You know, this is confusing. I'm sorry. Uh, kind of knows what it's like to be hijacked or to have another presence. So, like, she immediately senses, hey, something's wrong. The alarm goes up and she screams, drawing attention to her shoplifting activities and introducing this compact little action scene where Roland comes to the fore, spills the contents of the purse, so the uh, security guards trip and fall comically, giving them enough time to escape into a dressing room and then ultimately into Midworld. I like how quick this was. Yeah. Like, like after, like... (laughs) what 80 pages of uh of eddie's one it's like nah, i ain't doing that again right grab turn go <laughs> you know how this works come on yeah <laughs> yeah sorry i kind of i kind of blew through that but there's not much more to say beyond the fact that now we're in a situation where we have you know an eddie who is crouched over roland's body 
uh, you know, with a knife to his throat and we have uh, at least one half of a very dangerous person being added into the mix. One thing before as well. Do wheelchairs exist in Gilead? Because if not, Ronan picked that up very quickly. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's not. Uh, it's not mm. mentioned in the in the it, future. I think that he just intuits what the uh, what the function is. I don't know that yeah. he. Uh, I don't know that he's ever seen anybody operate a wheelchair before. But yeah, he 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 executes some stunts, don't he? He does. Like it, it stood out on my, my my sort of second read that I did this week. And it's just, <laughs> oh, I'm here now. Oh, I see. Right, you spin these things and off you go, wheelie <laughs> through the back door. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a pretty intuitive interface, I feel like. <laughs> when you've got a big a security running at you, though, to, to work that out in half a second, that's pretty good, you know, it's, it's to make you get up to speed. Like, I mean, Roland's yeah. just cool, isn't he? Yeah. He's just so cool. He's just so cool. I just, yeah. 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 Great like, guy. It, it, accelerated problem solving is kind of his whole thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Adaptability and resourcefulness is kind of all that he yeah. has. No, we're, we're he going has a, back He has a plus to... three in vehicles as well, so there is that. <laughs> and okay, we're, we're, going, we're going back to managerial training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah, that's... He's a motivated problem solver. <laughs> so that's the end of this section. That's where we're going to leave it, kind of on a, on a cliffhanger before we get to the rest of the Lady of Shadows and see kind of how how this duality is going to shake out. Um, I'm going to put it to the rest of the panel. I feel like I've said most of my piece about this character, you know, things are kind of up in the air, uh, but, uh, but chase, you know, like what are your closing thoughts for this uh, kind of section of this section? It is uh, definitely the most challenging piece uh, so far that I've read in this. Like I am, I am pretty much going along with the show as we're reading and talking about this and as the show progresses i am reading along in the books and so i am i am interested and maybe a little afraid to see exactly uh where this is going to end up with um this uh next um portion of the book chapter situation that we've got going on here um i'm hopeful because clearly so many people want to talk about this and have this discussion on this podcast clear clearly there is there is a bright bright light ahead um just some choppy waters right now and that's fine and you know i think a lot of what we are seeing is um you know you, you don't have the text without the context and mm -hmm. you know this is a younger stephen king writing in a time that is much removed from now and it doesn't completely remove that sting but it definitely kind of you know crystallizes it into what it you know Maybe not should be, but more what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that our, um, that our squeamishness didn't get in the way of us actually responding to it. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a concern, but I would rather yeah. err, err on the side of, 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 of sensitivity. Um, Patty, how about you? Yeah. Um, quite similar, really, to be honest. Um, I mean, I initially thought, uh, in the first book in the gunslinger that the, uh, the middle chapter where Roland, sexes a ghost <laughs> into into doing what he wants i thought that was the the, the kind of the oh don't like this <laughs> chapter very much thought that was the one um but then sort of reading back through through this uh portion of the book it's uh it's because i don't know for me i, I find uh sort of odetta debtor's situation so far removed from anything i know about um literally like, like i said at the start you know i'm a, a white male 
fully control of all my limbs, no personality defects that I know of. I'm from England, so the civil rights <laughs> stuff doesn't ring quite as ho- like quite close home to me uh, as to sort of some would, uh, and that's just due to lack of familiarity. Uh, but I, I do find like looking into Odetta and Detta's world more as a whole, just a, so far removed from what I know, it's quite a stretch. And it is, like you say, it, it's quite difficult to talk about and worry that we're not, you know, it was worried that we're sort of treading on eggshells here a bit. Um, but uh, I, I think just to dive at it and take it for what it is, is the only way to deal with this sort of material. Um, yeah. It's it's a it's a difficult read and it's a difficult thing to talk about from our position, but I hope I hope we've done a good job. Yeah, I'm not grimacing. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, 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 hopefully we've we've been respectful. Um, yeah, and, and Evan, uh, cl- close us out here. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say about the the racial dynamics that hasn't been said already. It's really uncomfortable, and I. I hope that we did an okay job at uh, not being too weird about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I feel like those dynamics are going to get easier to discuss when I'm not also trying to avoid getting too far ahead of where we're at in the reading. Right. right. Cause I like Susanna as a character so much. There's so much great stuff to say about her, but you know, even, even that feels a little bit spoilery to say that much. Yeah. So I, I alluded to it. I think I even said uh, Susanna's name. It'll come yeah, up at the end of this that's, book. That's why I uh, <laughs> I, I felt all right mentioning it. But yeah. Um, yeah, it, there's so much uh, really unpleasant stuff here. And I'm sure that most of it is intentional and some of it is just kind of consequential. Yeah. Well, hopefully we, you know, address the character herself, you know, and, yeah. you know, the, mm-hmm. kind of the issues that were presented. I am more optimistic about future episodes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, we've, we've broached the subject. We've set the tone. Um, yeah. And fortunately, what we're going to be dealing with in, you know, kind of the, the, the rest of this book is very driven, very action focused um, and adds these characters into the mix. And we're getting we're getting them kind of in relation to their shared goals. Or their oppositions. So it gets a little bit easier to deal with, you know, the group dynamic as opposed to some of the uncomfortable stuff about the about the individual. Yeah. So um, thank you so much for listening. Before we go into general admin stuff, um, let's uh, let's go around the table and find out where people can find our our, our panel. Uh, Chase, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TQ Loudly. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Facebook at um, facebook.com slash Chase G photo. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, Evan, how about you? Uh, I am online at uh, Evan Jones, Thorne.com uh, Thorn with an E at the end. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, um, at Mr. Underscore harder, all spelled out. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Sad Paul Stanley, which is not as active as I wish it would be, but <laughs> it's uh, a very dumb joke between uh, me and Brayton from over at Teenage Dirtbags that I have just taken way too far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the, the, the that's in the spirit of things. And Patty, where can people find you? 
Uh, okay, uh, you can find me personally on on the Twitter, uh, which is at Paddy Stardust, uh, and you can also find the podcast I do. Hey, do you like Dark Souls? You probably do. <laughs> um, we, uh, I, I'm one half of the other Dark Souls podcast, Twin Humanities, uh, which you can find at Twin Humanities on Twitter, um, and also on YouTube at uh, Twin Humanities Pod. I am in the middle of a Dark Souls one uh, one bro run. Hmm. Uh, I'm oh. at Orlando. Uh, I'm at Ornstein and Smo. It isn't going well. <laughs> <laughs> All the more reason to watch. Honestly, it's it's it's. Uh, I'm trying to keep the episodes nice and short, 10, 15 minutes, because I know your time is valuable. Uh, yeah. I don't want to watch an hour of someone playing a video game anymore. I don't have time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if, if you want to watch someone do a, well, I don't think a bad job, yeah. but a reasonable job, then come along. <laughs> hey, yeah, you're I, you're uh, one bro. That's better than most. <laughs> yeah, I would I would definitely like to. Uh, to, to highly recommend everybody check out the Twin Humanities, uh, the podcast and the YouTube channel. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, 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 I'm, I'm, oh. <laughs> I said the chat was in the post. God. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, both uh, b- b- both Patty and CJ are delightful people. Go, 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 go. Uh, give them give them your ears and your eyes. Yeah. Oh. Um, and you can find me at Cole Ross on Twitter, K-O-L-E-R-O-S-S. My parents spelled my name weird. Um, other episodes of this show can be found at uh, RadioFreeMidWorld.com. We have an entire network of shows at DuckFeed.tv that is supported by patrons at Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for uh, coming with us on this journey through some kind of rocky terrain, but uh, gosh, I love this book. I love this series and I'm so happy that we have a, we have an opportunity to talk about them as a group. Um, And yeah, I think that's everything. So until next time, long days and pleasant nights. Boys on the beach. Boys the on the beach. On the beach. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> <laughs>